The Will Cain Show podcast is presented by Eno, the Capital One Assistant. What's in your wallet? A little bit of breaking news here. I want to make sure I get this in. Um, our old colleague Andy Katz is now working at NCA.com. Did you see this? Yes. You know where I'm going with this? I think so. Well, yeah, they probably called you ahead of time. Get my approval. University of Vermont has named their home basketball court. Well, this is an incredible honor. I didn't know this. After legendary coach Tom Brennan. Oh, that makes way more more sense. You guys like, no, guys, Ian. Yeah, yeah, Tom Brennan. No, Tom's the best, uh, the mayor of that town. So, yeah, that's right. They're uh, dedicating the court after him. I was retweeting that a little bit earlier. Get a little Burlington in the show, which means somebody will request for me to come on today. I'm like, I don't really have much else going on. Jacksonville, Seattle. Seattle just had this unbelievable performance with all these guys missing from their secondary. They beat the Eagles, okay? They hand the Eagles their first loss in a while. Russell Wilson, man, look at this dude. He's going to be the MVP. Yesterday's game against Jacksonville was weird. Uh, Wilson didn't play well. They kind of made it interesting late, but then everything kind of goes down at the end. And Bortles did play well. And Bortles did. And Fournette called him a top-five quarterback, and then they tossed it back to the studio. Did you see that with Ryan Clark? No. Ryan Clark covered his face with papers. It was just like, no. Earl uh, Thomas called him subpar after the game. He said he was subpar. Bortles. Um, that's probably probably the, the but look, Bortles Bortles has had some nice numbers. Okay. Bortles service. I'm gonna fire that back up here a little bit. But that's not really the story here. The story is the Michael Bennett altercation at the snap when they're taking the victory formation, taking a knee, and then Quentin Jefferson getting tossed and then almost going into the stands. Why does Michael Bennett get such a pass? That's the question. Pass in which way? What Come on, we're not talking about it. Nobody's talking about Michael Bennett at the end of that game. You and I, we just talked about with Jeff Saturday. We're the only ones talking about this today. Michael Bennett diving at the offensive lineman's legs, clear intent to injure at the end of that game. When you dive at the back of someone's knees, when you're diving at their ankles, when you're diving in these zones from behind, you're trying to hurt them. Michael Bennett is doing nothing but causing havoc as that game ends. Uh, I agree with you. I don't know why. Why wouldn't you do it in first take? We, I don't know. We didn't do it. I feel like we never do the Michael Bennett revisit. We never no, do. This is, this is about something else. This is about going all in on Michael Bennett, the Vegas police interaction, and then you and I, it felt like being one of the few people that actually revisited it after more video came out and questioning his position on it. And so this, just, this isn't about the play against Jacksonville, is it? This is about no For me? Do, yeah, this is about the video. This is about Vegas. For me? Yeah. No, I don't think so. It isn't. Okay. I think it's an incredibly dirty play at the end of the game that helped exacerbate the entire tensions of the game, which then spilled over. Yeah, where Quentin Jefferson's like leaving. Yes. He threw a punch, but he's leaving, and then he looks like he's almost going to try to go into the stands. And then Michael Bennett plays this role in the locker room afterwards where he's pushing the press away, essentially going, he doesn't have to talk to you guys. He's a human being. You know, get back. You got what you wanted here. As though everybody's, all anybody wanted was to vilify these guys. And I just feel like no one ever, he's nominated for the Walter Payton Man of the Year. And no, fine. Let's just tell the whole Michael Bennett story. See, I think that might be your answer then. Okay. Uh, you and I are in agreement on Michael Bennett. Like I've about had it. And after the police video stuff, I feel like, you know what? There still could be more evidence out there, but no one, people wanted that we're all in on Michael Bennett the first time around. Didn't have an open mind the first time the video came out, but then wanted to have more of an open mind when the second video came out, which I didn't quite understand. It's like, wait a minute, this is more evident. And what happens is this is it. None of us really want to be wrong. So if you've gone in on on Michael Bennett 
and you do talk about all the great things that he does off the field, then you only want to focus on those things and not address the evidence that may make you wrong in your position. And so, you know, when both Bennett brothers get up and they call college football slavery, I, I you know, I just go, eh, you know, I, I, it's, it's not the greatest system, but it's definitely not slavery. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not slavery. It's definitely not. So <laughs> I'm... I'm with you. I'm in agreement with you here. I'm only trying to explain that I think so many people have gone in on him to kind of double down and be like, no, 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 Bennett's telling the truth, Bennett's telling the truth, that even if there's evidence that shows you that maybe this guy isn't the greatest dude all the time um, and that he's almost like a purveyor of hysteria at times, uh, maybe people just don't want to change their mind. You think no, that's No, I'm with it? you. This, when you say this is all about Las Vegas and ask whether that's what it is for me, no, I think that's why Michael Bennett keeps getting a pass to talk about. He he's not scrutinized on all these other issues that are clear. That's an interesting term you just used, purveyor of hysteria, but clear falsehoods or exacerbations of bad situations, because everybody went in on Las Vegas the first story, the first one, and then ever since then there's been this consistent past on everything Michael Bennett does. I haven't and caught I every right. I haven't caught every show. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm just. I, I can't believe today, like, his his part of that story is not part of this being discussed. And everybody is talking more on Jefferson, and I saw, and I'm talking football writers going, Quentin Jefferson, and he's going down the tunnel, he's tossing the game, he shouldn't have punched Fournette, but clearly Fournette, and I think players always are like the keys here. When Bennett does that BS with the offensive lineman and tries to kind of do this roll-up thing behind him, like, you're trying to hurt him. Fournette sees it, and Fournette, when everybody stands up, goes right at him. Yeah. And you can see, like, Fournette's going, no, no, that's not cool, man. And then Jefferson punches Fournette. Jefferson gets tossed out. Somebody throws something at Jefferson, which isn't right. And I actually don't have much of a problem with Jefferson like going at the stands. Now, going up into there, maybe fighting guys. Like No one's going to say, hey, that's a good thing for the league. But I'm not suspend Jefferson. I'm not. People were saying, oh, suspend him for the year. It's such a bad look. Fine him. Move on. People threw stuff at him. He was emotional. I understand his position, even though he was in the wrong for some of the th- things he did. And here he was after the game. I don't know what, I, what I'm supposed to do. Like, I'm a human just like anybody else. I'm, not, I'm a man just like the, the other man in the stands. And not unless somebody disrespect me, throw a bear on me. Like, just because I'm playing football, I'm still a human being. I'm still a man. And I'm out there playing, playing a game. And at the end of the, end of the day, it's a game, and I'm a man. I'm not going to let somebody disrespect me like that. Going into the stands, do you think that was, that was the right call? Was you still I don't know. Was it the right call for him to throw No, it wasn't. It, it absolutely wasn't. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering if it was the right call for him to throw a bear on me. See, here's the the thing. It's not a aren't-we-all-humans competition. You said you understand uh, Jefferson's reaction to a beer being thrown at him. I certainly do, too, on an emotional level. But you know what Jefferson is that those fans are not? You know what Jefferson is that when he's comparing himself to the guy throwing the beer and the reporters ask him the question, but but, but was it the right thing to do, that the people standing up there are not? A professional. He's a professional getting paid millions of dollars a year because he is a unique person with special talents in this world. And so you have a higher expectation for how he of conducts course, himself. Of okay. course. Then somebody that paid 60 bucks, or let's call it 180 bucks, so they're pretty good seats. <laughs> at, <laughs> Almost terrible game. seats at one point. And that guy clearly is in the wrong. No one's yeah. defending the guy that throws the beer. But let me just tell you this. The NFL is on a razor-thin edge of the malice in the palace there. Jefferson gets into the stands and starts throwing punches with fans. You will have the NFL explode. Jet fuel on a fire. All this tension we've had, whether or not it's been racial or patriotic or fan versus players, that is jet fuel on a fire. That whole industry, that 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 um, the NFL as a business explodes. It's all we talk about. 
for weeks. That has the threat to collapse the entire business. I don't Wait, know no, that no, you no, suspend. No. You think it could collapse the entire business, something well, like that? I think that the NBA knew what a threat it was when those guys went to the stands in in um, Detroit. Was it in Detroit? Yeah. Yeah. Malice and, and Palace. Yeah, Palace, right. Um, and they responded accordingly. They realized what a threat that is to your game. And I think the NFL, at this moment in time especially, would have recognized that for the threat it is. Okay, but that, I think, is my, my question. It doesn't mean I don't understand Jefferson from a human level. Like, I understand why he got upset. Somebody Anybody saying would. Jefferson should be gone for the year is crazy no, to me. Nice. I mean, look, right. find him, move on. I understand your position that you have a higher expectation for him. Others would say, hey, it's man, he's a man, I'm a man, we're all equal. I think that's what Jefferson's going for here. But the NBA lost sponsorships. Yeah. But is losing a sponsorship as bad as that is? Does that mean that your whole business plan is in jeopardy here? I, I think that's that's where I, like, I'm with you. We're hanging out. We're rowing the same boat. Going, <laughs> you think right, I went overboard? Yeah, and then I'm like, overboard? the NFL's done. Like, we're canceling. Hey, no, ask that's me canceled. who the sportsman of the year is, the most influential person in sports is. All right, I'll ask you that next. <laughs> All right, I'll ask you that then, one next. And then let's revisit. We'll do that. And um, why the Giancarlo Stanton trade very well could have been avoided. Okay, they could have avoided this. I'm going to tell you how the Marlins could have saved face, specifically Jeter, with Will Kane, the Rosillo Show, ESPN Radio. In life, there are talkers and there are doers. Sometimes it's not hard to tell the difference. Mike Bloomberg has spent his life getting big things done. Starting his business out of a one-room office, Mike built a company with 20,000 employees, all with good pay and quality health care. Elected mayor in the aftermath of 9-11, Mike got to work helping rebuild a shaken city, creating nearly 500,000 new jobs and expanding health care for nearly 700,000 New Yorkers. Now, there's a clear choice. Do you want a debater or a doer? Someone who can fix health care, who's done it. A guy who's unafraid of tough challenges, who has a track record creating jobs, who's taken on the NRA and won. That's Mike Bloomberg, a proven leader who can unite our country and get big things done. That's who can beat Trump. That's who we need in the White House. I'm Mike Bloomberg, candidate for president, and I approve this message. Paid for by Mike Bloomberg 2020. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes. And he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With Geico, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with Geico. It's almost better than sports. Baseball, though, on a Monday, believe it or not. Baseball on a Monday, that's with Giancarlo Stanton being traded from the Marlins to the Yankees, and almost everyone is mad, unless you're a Yankees fan. Job well done by the Yankees trading for Stanton. Job well done, brought to you by Napa Auto Parts. With quality parts and know-how, Napa Auto Parts can help you keep your ride running longer, stronger. That's Napa know-how. Your level of interest in the Giancarlo Stanton thing, where are we at? Uh, Some. Some. Yeah. Some. You want to put a number on it? Because uh, <laughs> normally this wouldn't sell. It'd be a tough sell in the pre-show. It wouldn't play. You go, baseball, Monday, you know, we just lost Wentz for the season. Pittsburgh, comeback win. was a great win for them last night. But this is a bigger deal. This is this is kind of a, a ownership 101. I always laugh in the NBA that new owners should just pay me to consult them. Like the first six months, they buy a team. It's kind of like when you move into a new house. You start doing stupid stuff like ordering really expensive outdoor furniture, even though you don't have much of a patio. Just did it. it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> Just I did, did it. it. 
Like, why do I need a fire pit? I don't have any friends and I'm not outside that much, you know, but you do it because you move in. So when you're a new owner, you're like, all right, I want to, I want to do something here. I want to trade for somebody. Yeah. Let's do a trade, man. Yeah. 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 Let's do, let's do a trade here. So you just like the cooler. You want to come in the first six months, just be the, yeah. the cooler. Like, all right. Hey, all the stuff you're going to want to do in the beginning. Cause you're just going to want to do, do stuff. Don't do any of it. Cause you usually end up doing like doing something really bad or you pay too much for free agent. And then the other side here, Jeter trades Giancarlo Stanton. Now, this Stanton deal was always a joke from day one. And I said, I went on this rant years ago. I went on it again three years ago because Stanton signed a deal at the time that was 13 years, $325 million, And I said, there's no way he'll ever be on this Marlins team when the real money kicks in. And ironically enough, the real money kicks in in 2018 where he's going to be paid $25 million a year. But that was under Loria. Okay, that was Loria and Sampson. And those dudes got together and said, hey, how can we just steal a ton? How can we just steal? And they were like, here's how we'll steal. Recently, Samson said at Levitard show, he's like, I'm not quite sure what Jeter's plan is. Like, that dude can start calling out somebody else about ownership. But like, yeah, your plan was, let's be thieves and get away with it. They front-loaded all the contracts that they did, and they traded everybody away. They lied to everybody on and on and on. So here is this Marlins fan base that I have so much sympathy towards, and they have one of the best players in baseball on the roster, and Jeter buys a team with only $25 million of his own money when the cost of the whole thing was over a billion, but I guess that's part of just being Jeter or being some of these guys that just get to attach their name to these projects, and he's trading them back to the Yankees. This isn't a Yankees conspiracy for me. This is Jeter who should have looked himself in the mirror and said, okay, I don't like that contract. But the first thing I can't do is mimic the previous ownership that were just pure evil. They were the worst people in sports running this Marlins team. And I can't do the exact same thing to this fan base that has been absolutely ravaged with lies and taxpayer money. And that's what Jeter did. And he should have sat it out for a year. He should have paid Stanton $25 million bucks, And if they weren't any good, he would have been even more miserable, Will. And that way he may have been less demanding on the no-trade clause and found a way to move on because right now, Starlin Castro and two marginal projects is a joke for one of the best hitters. I don't care what his contract is. So your argument as the cooler stepping into Miami is not don't make this deal, Derek. It's don't make this deal right now. Yeah. You're allowed to trade Giancarlo, but do it a year from now after he's sweated out a year on bad baseball team. He drops some of this no-trade clause negotiation. We have a few more teams we can deal with, and we get a better return. That's what your advice to Jeter would have been. Yeah, because $25 million for one year of Stanton at 28 years old is not the end of the world. And you should want to, and I normally don't act this way. If you're running a team, tell the marketing people to stay away from you. Tell the salespeople I don't want to see you. This I have to make baseball, basketball, football decisions, whatever you're doing. But when you put yourself in this situation where Jeter's like, all right, bought the team, contract's too expensive, and now the real money starts kicking in, I have to get rid of him, it is worth it to you to make that first impression to your fan base to pay that $25 million in that first year to keep this dude around, and then you can move on from it. Then you can move on a year later. Yeah, I mean, I guess in trying to be a devil's advocate to your advice to them is, doesn't that put your future plans just on hold for another year? You're banking a lot on getting a bigger call, a bigger return for him one year from now. When the business model, the plan is the same either way. It's fire sale. They have to have a fire sale. They have to rebuild, not because Jeter is just like Loria, but because Loria put all this in place. He's responsible for the situation. The no-trade clause is his fault. That's yeah. right. The fact that it's backloaded, his fault. The fact that it's $300 million, his fault. Jeter has to deal with all of this, and the fire sale is the way to deal with it. It's not trying to idolize and mimic Loria but to fix the problem. And I think that the devil's advocate rebuttal to you is, if I wait a year, I'm just putting off the rebuild. 
Here's Jeter. Uh, this is moments ago in a teleconference talking about why he did this move. I think the one thing that uh, you know everyone needs to realize is this is an organization that has not been successful. They have not been in the playoffs since 2003. I don't understand how the fan base feels because they've been through quite a bit. But for us here, we haven't been winning. So if you haven't been winning, then it's time to make a change. And in order to make a change, there's going to have to be some moves. And uh, like I said that you uh, alluded to, there may be some unpopular decisions at times. But every decision that we make as an organization is to try to put us in a better position. We're trying to fix something that is broken, and the fans want a team that's going to win. I mean, they'd show that because, you know, we obviously we have to get fans back into the stadium because, you know, we haven't had their attendance has been low. And I think that the attendance is low because they want to have an opportunity to win. And if they want that, then we're going to have to make some changes. So you're right. It is a balancing act. But, uh, you know, hopefully they understand that, you know, we're trying to put a, an organization together that is successful. Here's Lebetard this morning on Golik and Wingo with the real problematic part of this, and that is just the tide of the Yankees. It feels like Wall Street fraud that the former Yankee, the famous former Yankee, and some people who are listening to this are going to say, well, they tried to trade him to St. Louis first. They tried to trade him to the Giants. No, he told them from the beginning he wasn't going there. He told them New York or Los Angeles is where you need to send me. The problem is that they didn't have to trade him. They think they have to trade him. They didn't have to trade him. They traded right. him. But we're in a place where so you've got so you've got Derek Jeter, former famous Yankee, aiding his former team in a way that makes him, you know, Mr. Mr. December. And I'm telling you, what happened here with South Florida, we all in South Florida should have gotten one of those famous Jeter, uh, Jeter gift baskets Sunday morning <laughs> uh, after the way that played out. Oh, we went there. All right. Oh. Uh, we're going to hear from Stan, who just did a presser himself. So wrap a ball on this topic. And also the one analyst saying Baker Mayfield should be not the number one quarterback, the number one overall pick. It's ESPN Radio with Will Kane. Now that Human Resources Director Fernando Pino has Kronos for HR, payroll, talent, and time, he's completely crushing it. He even has his own hype song. Supporting our entire workforce, everyone has different hours, skill sets, and pay grades. Motivating and engaging our people every step of the way. Kronos, HR solutions for the modern workforce and the people who support them. Learn more at Kronos.com slash HR Swagger. I'm on the top, I'm gonna rise up. I'm on the top, top, I'm gonna rise up. I'm on the top. Tim Hasselbeck will be by. Biggest news of the day, Carson Wentz out with the ACL. Uh, we knew that yesterday. That hit was nasty. He ran into the end zone on the right side. It was a touchdown, but it was called back, and then he stays in four more plays, four, throws a touchdown pass on fourth and goal. So the Eagles situation without Wentz, and we'll talk with Hasselbeck uh, about all that as I almost lose my voice a little bit. Will Kane, the Rosillo Show, it's ESPN Radio. We just were talking about Stanton, Jeter, the dilemma, and Jeter is explaining the whole deal like we had to move on. Stanton didn't want to be part of a rebuild. Here is Stanton now saying, okay, not only did I not want to be here for the rebuild, but there were teams I told these guys I'd accept a trade to and teams that I wouldn't. Here's Stanton. 
the way they wanted to go was to subtract. So I, I let that be known. I didn't want to be a part of another rebuild, another losing season. And that's almost a guaranteed losing season, taking away uh, what I thought was a great lineup. So, um, uh, yes, I didn't want to be a part of a rebuild. Um, now, uh, I gave my list of teams um, prior to, and they went to uh, San Francisco and, and Cardinals and and struck deals with them. So they, I was I was opening to list. I was open to listen to them, but they, those were not my teams. And those uh, those are great people. Uh, it were, they were great meetings and a great organization and culture there. Um, but uh, that just wasn't the fit for me. Is there a way to sell this to Marlins fans? Is there a way to say, you know what, Jeter didn't screw this up? No, this is just tough medicine that you take down. That's all that is. I mean, I don't know how you sell tough medicine. You just grit your teeth, get through it, and hope to be better in a few months. I mean, I don't know how you sell something that you have to do that hurts. But do you disagree with me? Do you agree with Dan Levitard? This didn't have to be done? Yeah, I mean, that's my whole point. Well, your point is it doesn't have to be done now. Here's what I think is funny about the Stanton contract. Is okay. He's owed like you like the Jerry Jones in this equation. Two ninety five. He's owed two hundred ninety five million. What would he get as a free agent? Less. Two sixty five is what the Yankees take on, right? Yeah, and they get him cheaper. That was like the A Rod thing. Like you got A Rod, and you didn't have to pay him. Then the Yankees did it to themselves by letting him opt out and giving him a raise nobody else was going to do. I just think if the offers are this bad, you go. All right, man. You don't want to be part of the rebuild. Let's go 16-100. You're betting fourth. And people are like, oh, you can't have that. Why can't you? Like, look, it's a really, it's a reach of a, of a comparison, but I actually think it's somewhat accurate. Okafor is not, Jaleel Okafor is not Carlos Stanton, but he was with the Sixers, and everyone's like, just cut him, just cut him, who cares, dead weight, there's no future, you never would want to play him. And their front office of the Sixers is like, no, we still think we, you know, we may need it to flip in a contract later on. Let's wait until the trade deadline. There's no rush in this. He's not hurting us necessarily. And they ended up trading him for a rotation guy that they're going to get back in Booker when everybody wanted him to cut him. My point is like when the offer is so bad, Stanton and marginal prospects, and you're kicking in money, have him stay for a year. That's not hard. Yes, and your entire perspective is banking on the, the idea that the deals will get better. But on the flip side of the equation, to defend Jeter, to be devil's advocate, you're going sixty. You're getting sixty wins with him. You're doing what? Fifty wins without him, and you got to start over at some point. You got to get that salary off the books, or you're going to be hamstrung in what you can do moving forward. He's the first piece, not the last piece. They're going to be getting rid of other guys. They're going to be trading everyone. Probably even Starling, Starling Castro. He will be on the mark uh, on the market as well. So. Holding him around for another year to get 60 wins just puts on hold everything you want to get accomplished to get back to some level. By the way, you're also not filling up your stadium with him. So but I, what's but the I, downside? I do think, and even though I don't normally go this way, is that there is value in not having a horrible first impression that mimics the previous regime's management style. You know, back when they opened the new stadium, we're going to go do this. They signed Mark Burley. They signed Jose Reyes. They bring in Heath Bell. Those contracts were a joke. Burley makes $6 million in the first year of a $58 million deal. 
It was so backloaded, it went to $18 million and $20 million. And guess what? The Marlins are never paying it. Same thing with Reyes. Reyes makes $10 million in the first year. They get him out of there. He's making $22 million a year in the last three years of the deal. Even Heath Bell was backloaded. And they were like, no, no, plenty of contracts are backloaded when I brought this up. I go, contracts are never backloaded like this. And Marlins fans that yelled at me three years ago when the Stanton deal was extended said, no, this is different. There's a no-trade clause. They thought the no-trade clause was going to help them. And, in fact, it totally burned them because Stanton like, – that's the thing is if you're going Stanton, okay, you only want to go to the Dodgers, you only want to go to New York – it's Castro and it's marginal guys. I'll keep you just to make a better first impression so people don't think this is Loria Sampson too. And that's how it feels today if you're a Marlins fan. I feel bad for him. Yeah, well, now they're on the road to getting better. You think they're going to get better because of this? It's the only path forward. Not in the short term for sure, but we in the long term. Do you want to do Baker with uh, Hasselbeck? Let's yeah, do that. He's okay. the right guy to talk to. So we'll break or a little early here. Tim Hasselbeck's going to join us. We'll talk Baker Mayfield. We'll talk Wentz. We'll do all that stuff. Maybe we start with Wentz and do Baker a little bit later. With Will Kane, the Rosillo Show on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Customers who switch to Progressive save an average of $500. Call or click today and find out if we could save you hundreds on your car insurance. It's ESPN Radio. Today's horoscope brought to you by GEICO. Capricorns, today is a perfect day for romance and fun-filled activities with your partner. And by fun-filled activities, we mean shopping for car insurance. Luckily, you'll find that switching to GEICO could save you hundreds of dollars a year. You'll keep this day of romance going at the hardware store by arguing for half an hour over the color of your backsplash. Love is indeed in the air, Capricorns. GEICO, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Carson Wentz out for the rest of the season. We knew that kind of last night, but confirmed today before the Rosillo Show got started with Will Kane, Tim Hasselbeck now for the next 30 minutes or so. Tweet the show, 1-800-Flowers.com. Twitter feed, at Rosillo Show. Capture the excitement of Christmas morning with 1-800-Flowers.com. When you order 12 peppermint roses for only twenty nine ninety nine, you'll get an extra half dozen and a vase for free. You go to 1-800-Flowers.com slash ESPN. What is up, my man? What's up? It's brutal news on... Uh... Brutal news on Carson Wentz. I was surprised, I guess, from the start of the show where you go, okay, do you do the opening topic of what does it mean for the Eagles? You go, well, who's right. debating this? But it seemed like a lot of players think that with Foles, they can still compete. Like, Where are you with this whole thing? Well, I do think that, I mean, just look around at, look, Blake Bortles is on a team that's probably going to win their division and go to the postseason. You have, um, you know, Case Keenum playing well, and then you have, um, you know, even younger, inexperienced guys playing well. And so you think, well, look, Nick Foles has started a bunch of games. It's a good football team. Can they be okay? Um, and I think they can. I just believe they have to change a lot because, you know, Nick doesn't have the same skill set that Carson Wentz does. You know, they're you know roughly the same height and weight probably. But in terms of just being a quick twitch athlete, that's just, that's not Nick's game. And it's, and his ability to do that is conducive to a lot of the stuff they've been doing on offense. I think everybody's pretty hopeful about Nick Foles based on that one year, Tim. Um, sure, yeah. That year's a massive outlier in his yeah. career. How do you have a year like that? I mean, who is he? Is he that guy? Or is who's he the guy Case, we saw? But, the, but uh, who's Case Keenum? Right now, he's this guy. The only thing we came up with is these guys are all better off without Jeff Fisher. That, that That's Case Keenum. You're it's saying Keenum, Keenum Goff. and then Goff. Yeah. 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 And listen, that's, I mean, it's fair to go from that staff and then to, to have it, um, you know, have the success that those guys are having. I think part of it is you go, okay, well, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, you know, was around Nick in Kansas City. Doug Peterson wanted him 
um, you know, in Philadelphia, um, you know, when they, when they had um, Chase Daniel, you know, they decided, look, we'd rather have Nick Foles than Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel, I think by some people is viewed as a guy that was a very, you know, kind of quality level backup. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what they do to kind of make this go with Nick Foles' skill set. So, like, I'll give you an example in the game this weekend. Um, when he comes in, they they call two, you know, run pass options. So everyone's blocking the run, and he's trying to, uh, you know, basically get the ball out when everyone else is blocking the run. It's got to happen fast. Mm-hmm. And that's just not that's not Nick's game. You know, that's not what he does well. Just kind of like the move the pocket play stuff. I don't think that that's going to be his strength, and it certainly was for Carson. Okay, so then right now, who's your favorite team in the NFC? We look at this and we say, these are Rams, Vikings, Eagles, Panthers. I mean, pretty close. I think they're all close. Favorite? Um, I think I I think I probably like the Saints. I just think they have a quarterback that is really good. So if the defense has a bad day, they can score 36 points if they need to. They've got running backs that, that are tremendous and give you matchup issues. Um, they've got good wide receivers. Defensively, they make me nervous because they take so many chances. They're great because I think they feel like they have to take chances. And when you do that, you right, give it's up obviously big plays. Better than what they've been. So I mean, for, sure. for anyone, I'm not, I'm not that you don't understand that, but it's just it's funny to think of the defense as a concern when it's always been the thing where you go, I don't even want to talk about this. Right, sense. right, yeah. And so what they have been able to do is at certain times this year when they've played with a lead, they've been really aggressive. And Dennis Allen has kind of been able to scheme some stuff up, and it's helped them. So I, you know, I probably say the Saints. By the way, Marshawn Lattimore is going to join us tomorrow, three thirty Eastern. A uh, big reason why that oh. defense has been so good this year. And I knew he was listening, so I said the Saints. No, <laughs> yes. Pittsburgh last night. Uh, we, we've seen this at times. I feel like this is really weird because you go, okay, well, what's Pittsburgh's deal? And I think it, most years you go, okay, wait a minute, they're eleven and two. They have a quarterback we trust. Got a couple rings, tons of talent, and it looks like they're going to lose to Baltimore last night, and they have a great comeback. They're 11-2, they're the one seed, and I feel like it's still this massive hesitation with this team, and I don't know if that's playing down to the opponent or what, but I would think normally a team with that profile and that history we'd be in love with today. We would, but I mean, they've won, I think they've won their last four with like a field goal in the closing minute, I think is what it's been, and so and some of those teams have been... Um, you know, Green Bay with Hunley, it's been the Colts. I mean, it's, so they, they haven't Cincinnati. been these super impressive wins. And so I think because of that, I don't think, Ryan, I don't, I don't think it's crazy to, to feel that way about them. And honestly, Ben didn't play well at the beginning part of the year. So now that they're rolling a little bit offensively, you feel like, okay, yeah, you can see it. But even still, I mean, just take a look at, um, you know, how their defense is played and, Certainly don't want to be insensitive about it, but you know Ryan Shazier was a good player for them. I mean they're down the line at the linebacker position, and so if you say okay, well if you're going to be a real contender in the AFC, you have to play with play with New England, and New England has got a back for you know every down and situation, and I think that's what it is. Match up with you. I think that's the answer. It's not who they are. It's that everybody just looks at New England, especially the way Pittsburgh defends them and does such a bad job of not adjusting. Like last year when you watch them, you go, "What? You guys are stuck with this." By the way, the Baker Mayfield thing, I want to do at the top of the next hour with Hasselbeck while he's here. So I don't want to shortchange Mm -hmm. that one. I've only been teasing that for about four days. 
I even called into a show this weekend. Said, "Hey, check us out. So we're going to do that a little bit later." <laughs> we're talk about Baker. For yeah. later. I'm glad you said that because I was about to bring it up with him right now. Good. So we'll just uh, we'll push that off a little bit. more. You guys' chemistry is incredible. What's your over under on how many times you bullied people? Mm, you were I definitely the bully, not the bullied. You know, I think I think I, I probably wasn't a I was probably a mean kid. Is like uh pre you know like before seventh grade. I probably wasn't probably did some things I wasn't proud of pre seventh grade. I think that's when it starts happening. You know, you know, starting to get a no little YouTube hit. videos, no videos out there. No, well, listen, I, I don't know how serious you're trying to make this conversation, but I, I mean, the reality is like it's it's a different world now because of that. Oh sure. man, we broke it down every which way earlier from the mom's perspective. From the social media background. And that's the bullying video if people are mm-hmm. wondering where the hell this is coming from <laughs> out of nowhere. Uh, all right, go ahead. I think I got last. I was you were, we, why we do you think I, I, do I looked you at think Tim Hasselbeck? I, I said you think that you were, to, were you a bully? Oh, man, come on. No. Guy can do 34 pull ups. I was never yeah, physically in a position could. to bully. Were you a mental bully, though? Might have been a mental. Some would say I am now. I, you know, especially like the way you treat the Bennett brothers. Do you think I was bullied or mm-hmm. I was a bully? I think you were. I think you were a bully, mm-hmm. all the way through UVM. Actually, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was. was uh, I was not a bully. I was bullied in high school. So I was a freshman. So I have a weird deal. Is that when I was younger, I was popular. Junior high killed it, killed it. <laughs> and uh, then I, I don't know what happened. Like freshman year, I because my father's a humble carpenter, builder depending on how you want to phrase it. So I still like woodworking. So I, right. I took woodworking uh, my freshman year, and I, I didn't wear socks. So I was like a preppy dress-up kid, but I still really liked getting my hand on a lathe. And um, these older dudes, you know, docking patches on their jean jackets, they had just about had it with this preppy kid that was a freshman, a little mouthy about how good he was at hoops. And they were like, you better start wearing socks to school, man. <laughs> really? I was like, yeah, I'm not wearing socks. Back off. And I was so skinny. I mean, I'm lucky to be cracking 140 and a bunch of them grabbed me and brought me into the finishing room that's where we have our paints and stains tim mm-hmm. <laughs> and they took a brown uh brown stain out just a dark chestnut and painted socks onto my bare feet really and i had to walk around the rest of the day with wet stain in my my loafers probably eastlands and I, I figured they were gh bass company i nope. was going with zodiac <laughs> now eastlands were huge back in the day you had to do the not right so then I got home, I, I had some like stain on my white dungarees and my mom started giving me the business. She's like, I can't believe you got stain on these pants. And then I had to tell her what happened. Mm-hmm. And so then the principal got me 60 bucks back for the pants. And that's when I learned there you that go. bullying not cool. is not cool. That's when he started lifting. No, the I didn't start day. lifting until like another 10 years <laughs> later. I was, <laughs> I was still, college I wasn't the nicest, I'll admit that. So yeah, I picture the Hasselbeck brothers were a little bit of a problem. Yeah, but you That's had an true. older brother who's a lot bigger than you, so you probably were like nice. Yeah, I, no, I, 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 I didn't want to. I was certainly wasn't. I never did anything like that to anybody. Or maybe, maybe because your brother was your brother. No, he wasn't a like, bully either. Yeah, but maybe you had like these insecurities about his success, and then that you took it out on your neighbors. No, no the, the problem was the, the problem was is I was always better at him. Until you could start getting paid for doing it. Oh, yes. oh yes. After the Punt break. Block. After yes. the break. Punt block. You know what I mean? You know uh, what? Early bloomer. Not good. Underrated athlete. You never hear that about that. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. Will, Will learned his lesson last week. <laughs>